Chapter 32, Promises. Luke twenty-two twenty. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When you watch Jesus begin to build the kingdom of God and the gospels, you realize that you're not watching a typical political campaign. He didn't engineer any publicity stunts or advertise his kingship with a mass appeal. Matthew quoted an old prophecy by Isaiah that said the Messiah wouldn't raise his voice in the streets, which is no way to get elected. Jesus didn't appeal to his ideological base by telling the people what they wanted to hear about all the principles they held most precious. In fact, when he spoke, he flipped all their values upside down. He told them the last would be first and that the meek would inherit the earth. He told them to love and pray for their enemies and to give away all they possessed. This is not the rhetoric of a guy who wants to secure votes. Then again, Jesus didn't ask for anyone's vote. He's not running for an office in a democracy. He's the king, whether we like it or not. The funny thing was that even when the people did want to give Jesus their support, he sometimes shrugged them off. Exciting emotional moments of apparent spiritual renewal and rededication were sometimes squashed by Jesus. And this is so backward for us because if someone we know gets really excited about the Lord, we see that as a great victory to be celebrated, but Jesus didn't always handle it that way. He didn't want the people he healed and helped to become walking billboards for his power. Instead, he often told them to keep his miracles a secret. When certain people made brash and emotional promises to follow Jesus in dramatic ways, he didn't accept those proposals. Certain people who wanted to follow him were told to go back home instead. Sometimes folks who made promises to Jesus were actually shut down. Even Peter made a promise to Jesus that the Lord immediately unraveled. When people tried to impress Jesus, he didn't respond the way you might think, but just kept right on walking. Jesus wasn't looking for votes. He didn't want to be impressed, and he wasn't asking anyone to make promises to him. Yet we are so attracted to all these things. I mean, have you ever promised Jesus something in the heat of an emotional moment? Maybe you were at a really special worship service at your church or on some kind of retreat or Christian conference, and you were feeling really close to the Lord, so you promised you would change this or that about your life. Or maybe it was the opposite of that. Have you ever felt so bad about something you've done that you promised the Lord you'll never do it again? Have you tried to be so Christian that Jesus just has no choice but to be impressed by all your Bible studies and prayer meetings and books you're reading and on and on? We love to make promises and grand gestures. We love words like always and never, but we're not very good at them. And the deal is, it's not that Jesus isn't into promises. It's just that he's not very interested in us making them. We make promises we can't keep in moments of emotional upheaval. Later on, those emotions burn off or are replaced by equally strong and opposite feelings. And so we break the promises. 
Our Lord's heart does not work that way. 2000 years before Jesus came, God made a promise to an old man named Abraham. God promised to bless him and care about him and give him a family with tons of kids and multiply generations, a permanent land for his people and one special descendant who would bless the whole world. This promise was called a covenant, which means it was like a supersized promise that had binding legal ramifications and the status of their personal relationship all tied up in it. Back in the day, people took covenants extremely seriously. When two folks made an agreement that important, they would sometimes even carry out this this wild symbolic ceremony designed to illustrate how intense and binding that promise was. In the ceremony, they would kill an animal or more, slaughter them, and divide the pieces of these animals down on the ground. Then the two people drawing up the contract would walk between the bloody pieces together, as if to say, if I break this deal, may this happen to me. That little walk they called the way of death. When God made his covenant with Abraham all those thousands of years ago, the old man asked the Lord, how can I know for sure that, that all you've promised will happen for me? In answer to Abraham's question, God told him to kill a cow, a goat, a ram, a dove, and a pigeon. He was to divide the dead animals and lay the body parts on the ground opposite each other. After the sun set, Abraham, of course, was tired and he fell asleep. When he woke up, he saw a weird sight. He saw a smoking fire pot with a flaming torch passing through the bloody pieces by itself, just kind of floating through there. It was a strange and mysterious sight, but God was saying to Abraham that unlike every other covenant, he was the only person that had to keep up his end of the bargain. Abraham didn't have to pass through. This was God's promise, and he would keep it all by himself. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus took bread, broke it into pieces, and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Then he took a cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus was making a new deal, a new contract, the new covenant. And just like Abraham's covenant, we are not being asked to pay anything. He's not asking us to make any promises we can't keep. Jesus signed this contract himself. The new deal is he pays completely for all our wrong and gives us a brand new relationship with God absolutely for free, forgiving us totally and giving us his own beautiful record on our account. He promises he'll take care of us and empower us for a new kind of life. And he swears he will never, ever leave or forsake us. We pay nothing and he pays everything. Jesus is intensely serious about this deal. He was about to give his body to be broken. His blood would spill on the ground. He was going to march through the way of death alone so that we could have life. He paid all by himself. 
to keep his promise to you. And it does not depend on what you do in any way. He made the deal and he signed it alone. For more, get to a quiet place. Read Luke 22, 17 through 20 and Genesis 15, 4 through 21. How does it make you feel to know that Jesus made the deal to save you in such a way that it does not depend on what you've done or what you could ever do? How does it make you feel toward Jesus that he knows we can't keep our promises? So he promises for us. Tell him your heart.